All right, here we are. It is Wednesday, Lawyer Talk, August 11, 2021. The summer has flown by. School is about to start. But Lawyer Talk continues uh, for the last couple of weeks. Been here holding down the bunker, the fort, so to speak, alone. This week we got some guests back or the regular crew back. Brett's here with Circle 270 Media. Yep. Jared just stepped out of the room, but he is uh, here too. Um, we just got news from the Blitz that we are about to interface with him any minute. Uh, and it looks like, uh, hold on, there they are right now. Call Steve. Hey, Steve Palmer, how are you? Hey, I'm doing great. How are you guys doing this morning? Pretty good. If you were defending Andrew Cuomo, like, what would be your defense? <laughs> uh, well, I mean, uh, first we need to get all the straight facts, and I, I'm not sure we're getting all the facts, but the allegations aren't looking good. I mean, there's really two things. Now they oh, uh, apparently the AG is, is launching a criminal investigation, but certainly there's that sexual harassment uh, case going on there, too. So, like, from the federal government, how does it tie in with the DOJ? Well, I'm not sure it does, other than if you've got potential crimes that would have federal jurisdiction then uh, that would that could tie in, um, or it might just be that the DOJ wants to launch an investigation about uh, who knows what, just to figure out what's been going on, or maybe they know something we don't. Um, generally speaking, sexual harassment would be a civil lawsuit filed by a private individual against uh, the governor, um, and you know that's under uh, Title Seven. They could do that. So it just uh, that's a federal lawsuit that could be filed that could also be filed in New York state court too so i suspect that's all coming for him or if his lawyers are good what i would be doing is negotiating that stuff now and trying to get ahead of it right on sounds like an old time radio show with the you could hear the creaks of the chair or the other guy coughing it's like it's like all the sounds are so is there, yeah is there another mic on so loud or something is there another man on the phone steve uh, i'm not allowed to say Oh, my God. <laughs> All right. So Steve Palmer's on with us right now. 821-9970-800-821-9970. We do have a text that I want to get to first. Yeah. Uh, Eric wrote in and he said uh, this, it's a tinted windows question. He says, if my front two side windows are rolled down, not showing that they are tinted and I get pulled over because they see the back windows are tinted, can they make me roll my front windows up to measure the tent? Well, I, I, first of all, I'm not sure what the rules are on the back windows. I think your back windows can be tinted darker than the front windows. So they can, right, yeah, but he gets yeah. he, he had his front windows rolled down when they pulled him over, and then told him he had to roll the front windows up so they could check him. I love tinting windows, and I'm pretty sure, you, like outside of the the passenger and driver side, you can tint the rear as much as you want, like on, a, on the sides. As a bystander, uh, since you can't see the windows and it's not a problem, it sounds like just a reason to pull you over. Yeah, but what do you think, Steve? Yeah, now I would say that, that I would say no. I would say they can't do that. And here's why. Because <laughs> in order to do that, they have to delay the traffic stop that much longer. And you're not allowed to do that. Once uh, they have the basis for the stop under control, it's done. They can't just uh, delay it, even for a second. Now, there might be some uh, Supreme Court, Ohio or otherwise, that would disagree with me. But uh, I think I'm right. And uh, they don't have a reason to check the front windows just because the back windows are tinted at a certain level because uh, that's a different set of rules. Um, and once they had him roll up the front windows, the first question is, is that a search that was done without probable cause? And even so, Ooh. did they delay the stop longer than they needed to in order to conduct the search? So if I'm representing him on this, like, no point, non-moving equipment type violation, I would file a motion to suppress and uh, challenge it. Because there's nothing wrong. You're trying to find something wrong. 
Correct. It's a search. Um, and in order to conduct the search, they had to delay a traffic stop. And a traffic stop is a, quote, significant intrusion, which requires justification under the Fourth Amendment. Yeah, I don't like it. So <laughs> doesn't feel right. It yeah, doesn't do, feel right. Do you know right? how many friends I've had that have had it peeled off? It feels like a like common sight on scene. Mm-hmm. Really? Oh, yeah. Like all the time. Like that was like a big thing. Like when I was younger, like, yeah, people would get like the darkest tent ever. And then you get pulled over, especially uh, like over where uh, Trump lives near Mar-a-Lago in that area. Yeah. You catch yourself over on the island with uh, tinted windows. I mean, they will literally roll up on you and peel it off. And if you paid nice money for 10, God, that's a tough that's a tough pill to swallow right there. Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, that just doesn't seem right to me at all. And then. You know, I would think in Florida, it's, I didn't know there were those similar rules in Florida because, you know, the sun and it's brighter. It makes sense to have darker tint down there. But my, so I was so dumb one time. My, my dude owned like this uh, auto detail joint. And he was doing tent and everything. And he was like, dude, I'm going to hook you up. Just bring your rig in. So I did. And I was like, yeah, man, make it dark. He makes it limo tent. <laughs> I had to roll my windows down at night in my neighborhood to be able to get out of my neighborhood. I couldn't see. I thought I was going to murder someone. Is that the Pontiac? Uh, no, I had this old truck. I had to get it off like immediately. So never go to, it's not to your advantage. All right. You know, you don't need to be that private, right. you know, Adam line one here. It's Loper and Randy, Steve Palmer, giving legal advice. What's up, Adam? Hey, how's it going guys? Good, hey. man. Appreciate you taking the call. Yeah. Steve, thanks how are for you calling. today? Hey, I'm doing great. Excellent. Excellent. Okay. Uh, very, very long story short. I'm back in court with, uh, my ex-wife. Um, She's, uh, she's the one. She was in movies. She was on a bed. The priest was trying to get rid of the spirit. She was, uh, you know, throwing up pea soup everywhere. I'm sure you remember that one. Possessed, yes. Just a, just a joke. Just a yeah, joke. no, we got an exorcist. Man. That is exorcist. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, when you have a uh, guardian ad litem that's, uh, that's very partial to one party, um, can't even get uh, this guardian to even look at my side of things. Um, there's no communication really um if you were to try to get a guardian pulled off of a uh, case in family court what's the best way to go about that well the first question is how did you select the guardian generally there's uh you get a list and the lawyers sort of look at the list and they agree on a guardian and everybody sort of starts with an agreement did that occur here um yeah it actually uh well it was um uh through my wife's counsel actually okay are you representing do you have a lawyer and of course at that time, you know, I I, uh, I couldn't uh, say if he was any good or not, you know. No, I got you. Well, I, I guess the process would be sort of similar. You would have to suggest to the court through your attorney, um, generally speaking anyway, that you want to switch guardians and, and have a good reason why. My guess is that's trouble um, because if you make that suggestion and they don't agree, then you sort of look like it may not look the best for you. Um, I would do my best. If you have an attorney, I would raise this concern with your attorney. That's first and foremost. And for those of out there who don't know what a guardian ad litem is, basically, here's what this is. Uh, the domestic relations court, when you're going through a divorce or a dissolution or something involving the children, they will appoint a guardian whose job it is to represent the children's interests. They'll go talk to all the parties. They'll look at the different households. They'll make suggestions to the court. Uh, and they advocate on behalf of the kids. Uh, presumably neutrally with respect to each party. And I think what you're suggesting is maybe right. the guardian isn't so neutral 
and uh, that's trouble. So I, right. I would raise that concern with your attorney, and the process would be to go to the court and say we want a different guardian. Um, the guardian is generally speaking an attorney who's licensed to practice, and they are getting paid if it's a private case by the parties. You're splitting the cost, or at least right. it's divided in some way commensurate with your incomes. But uh, yeah, that's Correct. a uh, th- that would be a question that you would raise with your attorney, and your attorney can give you some advice about whether uh, it's worthwhile considering sure. the risks and the possibilities of success uh, to approach the court and try to change guardians. But you know, uh, it, that I don't have a great answer for that one. Divorce court, uh, it always is unpleasant. Uh, nobody wants to go through this, and it always feels like you're being. Uh, questioned and people are challenging you and they're suggesting you're not a good dad or whatever the situation would be. So uh, good luck to you, man. That, that it's, a, it's a hard time. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate it. Uh, thank you very much, Steve. You bet. Good luck with Linda Blair. Yeah. yeah. And all that questioning, too. <laughs> Makes you never want to get a divorce, huh? <laughs> right. Yeah, you better act right, Rick. I do. All right. All right. Here's a question. From, <laughs> Just keep a very from, healthy marriage. This yeah. is from Mike in Griff City. Very healthy. Yeah. Can my dog carry my firearm legally in public if I have my CHL? Strap it to the dog? Yeah, they make little vests. Oh, my God. Uh, I got to tell you, I don't know. I, I, I really don't know. And my guess is no. My guess is you can't do that. And uh, this would be a Derek <laughs> DeBross funny. question. Uh, he, he's the gun guru, but I got to tell you, it's, it's, a an interesting concept. So I say I'm out jogging or something with my dog and I've got a little vest on my dog that can carry some yeah. stuff. And I just want to put my revolver there and my 44 mag on the side <laughs> of my dog. And, I love it. And, uh, and the, the cop comes up. So like, where's your, <laughs> it's like, does this dog have a license to carry this gun? Right. Um, the, the problem I can see with that would be this, is that if the dog gets free or if the dog yeah. runs away, you've got a gun flying around the community. And, and look, yep. does that mean the government should regulate it? No, I hate government regulation, but it's certainly not something I would trust my dog with. Uh, my gun. Not that he's going to go shoot somebody, but he's going to run away with it and somebody's going to take he's it. He's walking into yards. Families have their <laughs> arms in the air like, oh my God, he, oh my, it's a stray dog. He has a gun. Right, he right. has a gun on his chest. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's like, don't, don't worry, he doesn't bite. He just no, shoots. Right. <laughs> yeah. he's just All right, this shot. is another firearm question. Um, can you, I guess, own a gun if you have a felony five credit card theft. What? I don't know what that means. All right. So misuse of a credit card is what we call it in Ohio. That means that, uh, so generally theft offenses, they the degree of the theft offense would vary by how much money is involved, except certain things, if you steal them, are automatically felonies. Guns is one, for instance. Uh, credit cards, if you take somebody's credit card and use it, even for a buck, uh, that becomes misuse of a credit card and it's a felony five. Uh, the answer to the question is no. If you have that on your record, it is a firearms exclusion. That's the bad news. The good news is if it's the only thing on your record and you're otherwise eligible to have your record sealed, you can probably get that sealed and get your gun rights back. And I'd be happy to help with that. 614-224-6142. Give me a shout. Awesome. We have Ray standing by. Ray, how you doing, man? Oh, pretty good. How you doing? Awesome. You are live with us, Loper and Randy. And uh, what's your question for Steve Palmer? Uh I was just curious if children services uh, employees or the caseworker who came to the house the other day and said that they was able they went to the doctor was able to get into my girlfriend's medical records. There was no warrant. This was just a visit. Somebody called children services and 
this lady showed up and and told this girl I'm saying that she uh, got in her medical records and seen that she uh, failed a couple of her drug tests. And I didn't know if that was even legal or not for them to do that because children's services have not been involved at all. So you're saying that they looked in your new girlfriend's medical records? Does she live with you? Yes, absolutely. Interesting. Uh, where, like, what medical records? Is this at her doctor's office? Is she on probation? Is there, there's got to be something more going on because I can't imagine children's services would just have unfettered access to private medical records. She's she's not on probation at all, and just out of the blue, children's services showed up, and this lady said, "Well, I went into your medical records and I see you filled a couple of your drug tests because my girlfriend went to this doctor." On her own, no court order, no no trouble, no nothing. Why is she taking drug tests with her doctor? Actually, you know what? This is one of those where I would just need to know more. I would like to talk uh, to your girlfriend uh, privately to figure out exactly what's going on because it surprises me that Children's Services could just go and and have access to records without some sort of release or consent and uh, I would need to know more as to why. If Children's Services... Was she, uh, was she on probation b- prior, ever? No, she's never been in trouble. She had a oh, drug okay. problem, and she went to the doctor to get off of it, hmm. and they put her on suboxone, and every time you go, they test you, you know, to see how you're doing. Gotcha. And this lady just showed up because somebody called on her, and then she said, well, I went and checked your medical records, and I see you failed your last couple uh, tests. Well, I would like to, maybe there's something there that I don't know, which isn't uh, totally unusual. I certainly don't know everything. I would want to see some of the paperwork that she signed when she uh, went to the Suboxone Clinic or to her doctor. I'd want to know uh, exactly what authority Children's Services claims to be acting under. And it seems like they've done it nonchalantly enough here. In other words, they did it like they are, are allowed to. So maybe there's something out there that... Uh, that I'm missing, but have her give me a shout. I'll be happy to talk her through it and see if there's a problem. But uh, generally speaking, our medical records are private. I tell people to get urine screens all the time uh, just for me to make sure I know that they're clean and I'm going to use it later if I need to. But uh, something is, uh, I'm missing something. I would like to get more information. All right, Steve Palmer, thanks so much, man. Uh, Once again, another week of stellar legal advice. Now, Steve does a podcast, which you can find via theblitz.com, and you you go live, right, Steve? Yeah, sometimes we go live. What we'll do is right after the show here, we'll go live on uh, YouTube, Channel 511, and and we take some calls there and take questions there. People uh, can chat with us. And then at Ohio at uh, lawyertalkpodcast.com, people submit legal questions there that I answer on, uh, on my podcast. So check it out. Dude, got to support our friends and literally my lawyer. He can be yours. Anything going on, call Steve Palmer. And next week, man, we'll talk to you then. All right. Thanks, guys. All right. Another uh, another Blitz Wednesday. Uh, good questions today, though, huh, guys? I mean, I thought that was uh, entertaining, to say the least. Oh, if nothing else. Exactly. <laughs> no, those, there, was, there was some good questions in there. Yeah, uh-huh. good questions. Like, uh, like the window tint. Uh, I just got my truck windows tinted. And to have this this idea that it, it bothered me that I couldn't have them as dark as I wanted. I, that, that pissed me off when I, when I was there talking to the people and they were good. And, you know, he's like, well, you know, what we try to do is find a nice mix where it doesn't look like it's so, so dark so they stop you or do whatever. And my fear was not that. I have to pay a ticket. I didn't want to, have to take it off. I don't have to pay for it and then have to lose it. That, like what Loper was saying in Florida. 
You remember my one Cadillac that uh, when I first got it, I brought it up here. Yeah. And uh, it was blacked out. I mean, this car was all black. The logos were black. Everything was black. And the windows were so dark. And Steve, that was the first thing you said. You saw it because, like, not the, the, not the back window, you know what I mean? But the rear windows there, that doesn't matter. You can, you can spray paint on that. Yeah. You know what I mean? You can get those darkened out. Right. But my front windows were, and where Randy was talking about not being able to see, he was right. Because at night, I have to put those windows down, or you you couldn't see. Now it wasn't in the front or in the back, but I mean you couldn't you couldn't see very good. And whenever I was in Westerville, because I had that car whenever I was working in Westerville at my shop, I'll tell you what, especially at night or during the day, I would roll the windows down. Whenever I would, that was the move I would pull because it looked so cool. Yeah, I mean it looked good, and but you walk up on it, look in, you can't see in. I had. My uh, my truck I traded in had darker windows. Like they, they, I know they weren't legal in Ohio. And it was the same thing. I don't think they were as dark as your caddy, but they, it was enough where at night it was dark. I mean, I could see, but it was it was a it was a huge difference. So so what is legal on that? Fifty percent, I think, is what's 50, legal up front. But, but, Am I right about that? I but, do not know. I okay, they, but, there's there's a standard. Oh, gotcha. And then based on the win, because I guess I don't know. The based on the windows that you tint, so you can't the front windshield. Uh, you can come down. You can put a sun visor, whatever they call that. Okay. On. You got so many inches and so much darkness that you can Which go on there. A lot of makes already do that. Already have Blue, that. Yes, uh, tint thing. Okay. So you've got that up there, and then you've got your. Let's say you're in a sedan. So okay. You got four doors. Yeah. You're in a car. Uh, the rear windows. You can get them as dark as you want. Okay. Not, not, not your back window, but I'm talking about the, the, the door windows. The, the door windows. Okay. Passenger, and the passenger doors. doors. Okay. And then up front, you're supposed to have whichever, like Steve said, maybe the 50%, 50 percent okay. or, or wherever you're at. A uh, lot of places, they have a, a meter where they'll mm-hmm. put it on your window and it'll read it and they'll be like, oh, you're doing. And Westerville, like back in my high school days, that was their thing. Yeah. That was their deal. Like they would pull you over for tent Check all day long. Tent. Well, I remember then, them being a wave of just tent. You heard that in the news all the time. Well, the law, the law wasn't Must always that enacted. way. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So here, here are the. Uh, we'll just give this guy a little shout out. The Cincinnati tent guy. <laughs> I googled Ohio window tent laws, and he comes up first. So I don't know what he's paid for search engine optimization, right. but it's working. Um, it says uh, must allow no more than or must allow more than fifty percent of light in. Back, back and side windows, any darkness can be used. Rear yes. window, any darkness can be used. And, you know, the idea of it was um, they wanted to see in. You know, it's your privacy. Yeah. So, but that opens up, that opens up an interesting discussion that's relevant, I think, to what we were talking about. And that is, can, well, and you guys already brought it up, can the police pull you over, like in Westerville, <clears throat> just because of window tint? Well, the answer is yes. If they have a reason to think that your window tint violates the law, then they can stop you for that. Um, now, that, that the next question then is, what can, when can police stop a car? They can't stop your car for any reason. There was a the U.S. Supreme Court, I think it was, uh, I forget the case, maybe MIMS, Pennsylvania versus MIMS, that, that says they can order you out, but it might have said this too, that uh, a police stop of a motor vehicle is a significant intrusion that requires justification under the Fourth Amendment. In other words, it's a search. It's a seizure. It's a stop of a car. It doesn't require as much justification as, for instance, somebody searching your house. So if you get, if the police want to stop your car, in other words, they have to have a reason. Most of the time, the reason is you're speeding, you've committed a traffic infraction, you didn't use your signal or some other problem. The, uh, a window tint now 
And this is like, this is why I think people were a little bit up in arms about it. Seatbelts was another issue and they ended up resolving it differently. But window tints are justification to pull you over. This is why when I got my windows tinted, they were sort of hemming and hawing about the 50% because it's not so obvious all the time that you're violating the rules. For instance, if I have like a 55% in the wrong direction, or I let only 45% of the light in rather, I don't think it's, it's no reasonable police officer is going to be able to look at that and say, that guy is violating the law. I'm going to stop his car. And that's reasonable suspicion to stop the car. Um, but if I've got like Jared's caddy windows where they're just black as coal, then they're going to look at that. And visually that's enough to say the windows are too dark. We're going to stop it. And then they're going to pull out their meter when they stop you for that reason and do conduct essentially a search by checking your windows. Um, so it's all about the cat and mouse game of what does it look like from afar? And if they're all just black, they're going to pull you over. Now, when I got mine, I don't remember what they were. I don't know if they were legal or not, but he was sort of hemming and hawing about it. And I said, look, make them as dark as I, as you think I should. I wanted them dark and I don't do anything wrong. I don't drink. I don't do anything. I don't commit crimes in my car. So I'm not worried about people seeing in. I just, I got used to not having sunshine in my face. It was sort of nice. Um, and then I think it helps your interior and, keep, and helps keeps the UV rays. So well, out in Arizona, yeah. I was out there. I mean, those cars are tinted out. Yeah, I mean, you have to, like you said, because they you park in a parking lot, the sun is just baking down on your interior. It bakes it. I mean, it it eats it up. It deteriorates it. It's like car restoration guys knows. It. You buy a car in the in the Northeast, it's going to be rusty. You buy one out there, the interior is going to be rotted. Yep, that's, that's, <laughs> that's, just, that's, that's just how it works. Yeah. Body's fine, needs a new interior. I'm surprised the Skin Cancer Society is not decide or whatever. It's like you know this this is oh, good yeah, for our, the, this is good for our skin. I need this for you, my health. Exactly, you need this for your health. Yeah. You know. So it's an interesting question. And then, then what I got into with, uh, with the window tint question was, all right, if I got pulled over for speeding and my windows are down and I have rear tinted windows that clearly wouldn't pass front window muster, <coughs> now the issue is, does that give them a reason to check the front windows? And my answer was no. And believe it or not, Ohio makes a lot of U.S. Supreme Court law from going way, way back almost to the beginning. Ohio is notoriously, uh, I don't want to say bad. Let's just say that there's a lot of cases. Litigious? Particularly (laughs) particularly Fourth Amendment type cases that come out of Ohio. And this one is, I think it was was called State versus Robinette. And it went up and down and around two or three times. So it was like Robinette 1, 2, and 3. And basically, the end result of Robinette and some of the other cases that followed is that if I get pulled over for speeding, the police have to go about their business in a workmanlike way. They can't, they can't delay the speeding stop just to look and check around for other violations. And that is because as soon as I get stopped, it's a Fourth Amendment intrusion. It's justifiable if it's for speeding. But let's say they stop and then they just want to run the dog around the car. And there's no other reason why except maybe I got out-of-state tags and uh, they just they got a hunch. Now they've delayed the stop long enough to run the dog. There is some law on this. If they have a reason to delay the stop, say I'm acting nervously, say when they say, hey, we're in a hurry today, aren't you? And I start to stutter and stammer and I get real furtive and I give them inconsistent answers like, 
well, I was just coming from Arizona, I mean, Indiana, and I rented this car because it was not going to be so conspicuous. I mean, because I, mine was broken down and, and I start to sweat and I'm nervous. Well, they think, well, this is interesting. I wonder why he's so nervous. I'm going to check this out. Now, the courts have said that that is a reason that they can delay the stop. And lo and behold, Trooper Smart has got a dog in the back, and he knows how to sniff and whiff for dope. And he says, I'm going to run the dog around the car and finds it. Now they've delayed the stop. And then when they find another reason as a result of the first delay, to delay it longer, they can do that. But it's incremental. It can't just be wide open. So if they don't then have a reason to delay the stop, like I pulled you over for speeding, and instead of checking my license and my registration and my insurance, instead they're like, well, these windows are interesting. What's your front windows look like? Well, that's a delay of the stop. They haven't gone about the business of checking me out for the speeding stop, and they're doing other stuff. Uh, now I don't think that's kosher. Is it worth paying lawyers to challenge that in court when you could just pay a ticket? I don't know. I mean, it's up to you. I suppose <laughs> I would, if it were me, if I, if it were my own case, I'd be all over it, man. I'd go, I'd take that sucker all the way up to the Supreme court and say they can't do it. Uh, but you know, they probably get away with that a lot because the, there isn't really a consequence most of the time any, because people aren't going to go challenge that, but it does get challenged in other contexts. So if they delayed the stop to look at my window tent and then the window tent was used to delay the stop even more. And then uh, based on that delay, they brought the dog in and based on that, they found the cocaine now we might be heading up. You know, now we might have a, a real challenge because the initial delay was premised upon a flawed um, reasoning that they had no real business to have me put up my windows. Are there other circumstances like they pull you over for the tent, they see guns? Yeah, yeah. So this happens all the time. This okay. is called plain view. So okay. we have uh, – the, the big picture rule is they can't just search your house, your car, your person uh, without a warrant. And then there are, quote, specific and well-delineated exceptions to the search warrant okay. requirement under the Fourth Amendment. Some of those might include uh, items in plain view. So if a cop is pulls you over for speeding or window tent, and then he looks down and sees a brick of cocaine in the front seat, and it's in plain view, well, he can that, that's a reason to go seize that item. It's in plain yeah. view. And again, it just sort of creates this chain of delays and justifications that uh, that usually end up with the driver or the owner in handcuffs. Gotcha. Okay. I know a guy back in the day that got caught with a, a brick of cocaine and got out of it for what you're talking about right now. He got pulled over for one reason. Somehow they got in there because I was always like talking to other wow. people. I was like, how did he get out of this? Yeah. And they were like illegal search and seizure. Wow. I was like, yeah, but they got like a quarter pound of cocaine. Right. A brick of coke. Here's what's, you know. They didn't find it first. They found it fourth yeah. on the list. Yeah. Oh, it, my gosh. It's all part of this chain. So it starts, say, with a stop. And, and now they get real shifty about it. They pull you over for following too closely. And that's like, it's the, it's the only traffic offense that I know that is subjective. And, you know, in theory, if you read some of the civil cases, which aren't criminal, you read some of the civil cases, they say you got to have a uh, car length for every 10 miles an hour you're going or something like that. But that's not written in the law. It just says too close. Uh, so cops will pull you over for following too closely. And uh, Trooper Smart out in Preble County was doing this. And uh, then he'd come up and he'd start talking to you. And he'd ask you these real specific questions. And he had a way of asking the questions that made people nervous. Like he would even say, I had him on the witness stand one time, and he's like, this guy was so nervous I could see his pulse in his neck. It was it was 
through the vein in his neck, which who knows, but who's going to be able to refute it? That's what he said. Uh, and he, then he got inconsistent answers because then the people were nervous. Uh, and based on that, he was able to justify a delay of the stop brought. Uh, he goes, I'm just going to bring a dog out. And people are thinking, all right, well, how long is that going to take? Oh, about 10 seconds. Cause he just happens to be here in the back of my cruiser. I'm a canine. So he brings out Rover who runs around it and hits on some hits at the trunk area and goes in. Now, the U.S. Supreme Court, I think it was U.S. versus Place, P-L-A-C-E, said a dog sniff is not a search. Why? Because we just said so. So the dog is not a search. So if the dog hits, that's not a search, and that's okay. But the delay as a result of the dog getting out there might be a problem. And even if they have a reason to delay it, unreasonable delays become... Uh, a Fourth Amendment issue. So if you're sitting there for three hours waiting on a dog, that's not that's too long. Twenty minutes has been held time and time again to be very reasonable. Uh, I've I've never had a case where, as long as they had a reason to bring in a dog, like Trooper Smart's veins popping, you know the the delay has never been enough to uh, to justify throwing it out. But then you have this other these other considerations. Like all right, I pulled a car over, and that takes reasonable suspicion, meaning a little bit of justification. But like Jared, what you're talking about. If I want to search, if I'm a police officer and I want to search an interior compartment of a car, say a closed container like a glove box or a suitcase that's closed or the center console that's closed, that requires a little bit more. That requires probable cause. And I can't just because of a speeding stop start rummaging around inside a car. There are exceptions to that. Say the cocaine's in plain view. Well, then by definition, it's not in a closed container, but say... Uh, everybody, like everybody's been asked this, you got anything here I should know about? Uh, no. (laughs) What if I said, well, you know, I, you know, I got a little bit of something here in the glove box. You mind if I take a look? Sure. Yeah, you can look. Well, now that's consent and consent is one of the well-delineated exceptions. You can waive your fourth amendment rights by just saying, yeah, go on, take a peek. Happens a lot. Um, the other is, uh, a search of an interior compartment of a car for weapons. All right. This was New York versus Belton, B-E-L-T-O-N, I believe. And, you know, I think this has changed subsequently. It always bugged me that if you're face down in handcuffs on the road behind your car because you're under arrest, can they do a search incident to a lawful arrest? That's an exception to the warrant requirement. So, Jared, if I arrest you, I can search you because you're under arrest and it's part of the arrest. But what if I, and, and the idea of that is called, it's called a wingspan search. If you've got a weapon or something for officer safety within the wingspan reach of your, of where you are, they can search around and make sure they're safe. Well, then the Supreme Court had this, I think it was Belton that said, all right, you can do a wingspan search, even though the suspect is in the dirt, face down, boot on his neck, handcuffed behind his back and his legs chained together. They can search the interior compartment of the car. As a wing, as a valid wingspan search, I think this has changed. I have to look it up. Um, and the justification is, well, he could escape, <clears throat> which is which is total nonsense. <laughs> um, but uh, that was that was like the furthest extension of that. Now, in your buddy's case, they probably conducted a search of an interior compartment or something closed container within the car, based on a traffic stop, and it wasn't a valid search. 
he was known in the neighborhood that he was in. Mm-hmm. You know, he yeah. was he was no stranger to the police. Yeah, the police aren't that good, right? They, you know. they, they it's like they know aren't that lucky. Right? They yeah, know who right. to ask. Yeah, yeah. they yeah. pull this boy over and they're, they're like, "There's something in the car." Right, right. So this is like we know you, and and you know, not to get too, uh, we we should get political about it actually. But it's like, is this race related? Well, sometimes is it not race related? Well, more often than not, I would think it's not. I mean, if you're known and you happen to be of a certain race, well, you're known and you happen to be of a certain race. He was white. And he's white, and they knew him. That wasn't because of his race. It was because they knew that this guy runs Coke. Um, so they pulled him over. Um, the flip side is, if he were a different race, then and they knew that he was a Coke runner, well, they're going to be more likely to go, as I always tell people, like, they were waiting right outside the bar for me. That's bullshit, man. They shouldn't be able to wait right outside the bar for me. I'm like, look, man, I went fishing up in Lake Erie. I went right to right outside Pele Island because I knew where the fish were. And that's where we caught them. Like, I'm not going to go by the dock. I'm going to go where the fish are. And guess where the where the game warden's going to be as well? All right, he's gonna sitting be, right there waiting right. for somebody to take too much. Yeah, you bet. <laughs> Come so on. it's like they're going to go fishing where the fish are, yeah. and they're going to go looking for the dope dealers where the dope dealers are. They're going to go. They're going to they're going to f- target the people who they know are likely to be running dope. It used to be in Ohio. We had something called a pretextual stop, and this is it's starting to get some reemergence, which would be an interesting development, which meant that if I pulled somebody over for a ticky-tack traffic violation only as a pretext to do a subsequent search, like, I, you know, like Jared, I know that guy. You, you know, I've, I've known Jared in my whole life. That guy's always got cocaine. He's beaten us to the punch 10 times. Oh, he's falling too closely. I'm going to yank him right now and see what he's got. And I pull you over and I smell weed. And I was like, oh, it smells a lot like weed in here. You've been smoking? No, sir, I haven't. Well, I don't know. Why don't you step out? And uh, as you step out, they see some uh, loose leaf uh, vegetation on the seat. And they say, well, that's interesting. I'm going to look some more because now I got a reason to look some more. And they sort of follow the breadcrumbs, so to speak. And then they find the cocaine. Um, that is, for the longest time when I started practicing law, that was called a pretextual stop. It was done only as a pretext to conduct a search, and that was declared unconstitutional. The law changed, and the, and the courts basically said, we're going to get rid of that, and they created the bright line, bright line rules. Look, if you're committing a traffic violation, irrespective of the cop's intent, they can pull you over. Um, this is reemerging in this, you know, in the we hate the police era. They are, they're starting to and, and it was back in the 70s when it started, I, I presume, or late 70s, early 80s. And, and that, that was, a, I hate the police era too, I think. So it, uh, it's funny how that sort of reflects what's going on out there. But hmm. yeah, your buddy, probably, they probably had a bad search and threw it out. Now, the other thing that happens, and I'm, I've done it. I get a guy, he's pulled over, he's got a brick in his trunk. Everything's lawful. Comes down to my office. Cops call me. Hey, does your guy want to provide some information about where he got that brick? I'd be like, I don't know. Let me talk to him. So I talk to him, he supplies information and he never gets charged or the case gets dismissed. And what do we say? There was a fourth amendment violation and I won the case and an awesome lawyer. And really that was a cover for the fact that he's becoming a, a narc. Yeah. He's a narc. Well, right. that, that was, see, that was, I, this wasn't like a close personal friend. We threw out where I was running <coughs> and uh, that was always the question. Like, how did he get out of that? Yeah. Right. And people are like, well, they said this. And then everybody would be like, yeah. 
You know what I mean? You know, it's always kind of up there like, yeah, yeah how do you get out of fucking having a big brick? You know what I mean? So then everybody kind of is like, eh. But, you tell them Palmer represents. Yeah. I, <laughs> but, you know, I, I had a friend that uh, I used to cook with when I worked at New Albany Country Club. And uh, New Albany is another notorious pull you over for whatever. And uh, he's got his knives. You see how I have my knife case? You yeah. roll them up in there. And, and when you're, you know what I mean? That's your tools. It's like taking a tool chest of your hammer and nails and a screwdriver if you're, you know, if you, if you did fences or whatever. And he got pulled over for a loud muffler. Yeah, that's and, an, another one of those. Yes. So, real subjective. Ones. And then they saw that case <clears throat> on the floor. Like he got in his car, threw in the passenger floorboard or whatever. It was down there. And they picked him up for concealed weapons. Yeah, that's an interesting one. <clears throat> I think that rule recently changed too on uh, on concealed knives. But that's a that's another interesting one. And I'd have to think about that. And then he was arguing. He's like, they weren't even concealed. They're set on the floor. And they're like, no, they were calling them concealed because they were in the case. We used to have cases with mm. guns where if the handle or the grip is exposed, but the rest of the gun uh, isn't, is that a concealed weapon or not? I mean, it gets, it comes down to that. Like if, if it's, if you, and I think the law turned on whether you could identify what it was or not identify what it was, it's concealed or not concealed, but. And, but what's that even, you know what I mean? He was like literally in a chef's jacket and chef's <laughs> pants. You know what I mean? He was like literally leaving work. It's dumb, right? It's dumb. And. Well, then he was going out to commit a murder. Come on. Yeah. Come right. on. That's the it's perfect. A, that's the perfect cover. He's You're Dexter. a chef. Come on. <laughs> he's the serial killer. <laughs> God. Um, but yeah, that's a, that's a really interesting one. And I've thought about this before. It's like I have, I, I do a lot of work on the weekends and on the, in my other life on the construction work. And I always have things that could be adapted as a weapon very easily. I mean, big, I had a machete one time because I was hacking away at foliage and crap and I'm looking, I was like, I got a machete. In it's like, this thing is like a, a two foot machete in my car or I'm going hunting. And sometimes I'll take that if I'm hacking away at branches for uh, a tree stand or something. Well, a lot of one percenters, you know, uh, motorcyclists uh, will uh, carry hammers, ball peen hammers. That's a, that's one of choice right there. And if you, you put, it's just a hammer, mm-hmm. you know, and a lot of guys will have them hanging on their bikes. Right. It's not concealed. It's, it's just perfectly it's just, legit. It's, it's a hammer. Like, what's that bat? hammer for? It's like, well, if I got to change axle, if I got a uh, flat tire, yep, I'm going to need, I just need that hammer. It's just a tool. I got a hammer in my truck. Yep. A toolbox and hammers in it. Little, little, you never know. Yep. Never. I also have a chain. I have a crowbar. I have a screwdriver. Screwdriver. You know. Screwdriver is pretty much, it'll do the job it'll just as much job. as anybody else. It becomes, else. it becomes real dicey. Um, yeah. Now, so I, I guess this is my dad one time. I, I, I'm trying to think how it came up. I, I think it, we we used to have this old family heirloom. It was a it was, it was a blackjack. You know what a blackjack is? Mm-hmm. Like a yep. like a, yep. a billy club type thing. Right. Like old cop blackjack, leather wrapped, yep. lead in the inside yep. or steel, and it's weighted on the thing. I mean, it'll break your arm like that. And uh, I guess uh, I think my brother at one point had that in the Ford Pinto, and not that he needed it. It was just cool, you know. It's yeah. like and. and <laughs> Uh, early on, and I, I've never, I've rarely seen my dad. He wasn't upset, but he was adamant. Get that out of the car now. And it was for the reasons we're talking about. It's like he wasn't worried that my brother's out using a blackjack or as a violent guy. He wasn't. It was stupid. But it was like it's a crime. And then it's also a reason that if you're pulled over and they find something like that, now you've turned a, a, a traffic stop into like a real problem. So. You just, you just don't need it. I have a coin purse, right? It's a leather. It's about 
you know, uh, like yeah, smaller than a, the size of a, a cell phone. You know what I mean? But it's uh, it's got a leather slap, strap that'll go around it and snap down. You can put it around your belt. Yeah. Okay. Well, that strap is also a handle. If you had that filled with quarters, sure. You know, I, I gave one to my brother for for Christmas actually too. Now I'm going to tell you when I go out with the guys whenever I'm on the road, I, I carry that. Now then again, I've got change. I'm selling shirts and stuff like that, but I carry that blackjack. I mean, it's I mean you carry my, that change purse, that coin purse. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that you know, I mean, it snaps on there. It's a nice handle. It just yeah, no, you bet. I mean, it's like, and then you know, we see this all the time. And here's where you get the contrary. Uh, or maybe some results that people don't like. I've seen it at court time and time again. Uh, women will come in in their purse and they've got that little spike thing that looks like a bunny rabbit or a, a shorty a, has a one of those. Yeah. yeah, shorty has one of those. Yeah. And uh, it's a weapon. It's it, it's designed to be looking like a piece of art or something, but it's a weapon. Yeah. And I've watched. Uh, there was a, a gal that used to work in the same office I did, and she was a good lawyer, smart. I think she's a judge up in Chicago now. Um, but she had one of those and she got into a little bit with the security at the, at the, uh, courthouse. They wanted her to leave it and check it or do whatever. Um, and I thought about this a long time. I was like, you know, that, that is a concealed weapon, uh, of sorts. And what are the ramifications of that? Mace is another one. People pepper have mace. Pepper spray would be too. Pepper spray. Yeah. yeah. Even if it's a personal safety. Sure. And device. this is why when the, the gun folks got involved, they're like, look, what's the difference, right? It's like, it's a handgun. It's this, it, like. You know, it's at some point it becomes such a blurry distinction between these items that it's sort of, it's sort of foolish, and it and it leads. We were talking about this off the air a little bit. It leads to some, it leads to subjective interpretation of what you're allowed to do and not allowed to do, and that can lead to all sorts of crazy results. So, if I, you know, oh, that's a that's just a kitty cat keychain, no big deal for you, but over there, that's pepper spray. I'm sorry, you know, you got to do something about that. So it's uh. It's just all these things that you think should or shouldn't be. You have to sort of look at enforcement, human behavior, how it's going to be treated, and whether it's whether the regulation you're proposing or law you're proposing is really going to handle the problem. Or what atmosphere you're walking into carrying it. Yeah. If you carry pepper spray into the airplane, it ain't going to happen. Yeah, they're not going to let you. No, they're not going to let you. Right. Yeah. But if you yeah. walk into the park, I'm cool with that. Walk in the you park know, with the pistol packing puppies. Pistol packing puppies? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what a great. Oh, we I should can. talk about that. Yeah, the pistol packing puppy. <laughs> I just was thinking of the Duke on his horse with the shotgun, like the, right there. And uh, if he got thrown from that, it's like, it's, it's such an interesting. We, we had a quick discussion about this, and it's like, I don't know. I mean, on the one hand, I can totally see like, why not? I have a, I, what's the difference between leaving it in on my dog or in my car or on my bicycle or on my motorcycle? Are you or a horsey? Are you a horsey? I mean, or a rifle in the side and the, and you see in Westerns all the time, the, the horse runs away. Well, yeah. then your gun's gone. Yeah. Now a fool and his gun are soon parted. I would right. suppose I, I wouldn't, I don't know that I would let my dog. Now, like I said, I, I, here, here's what I was thinking. It, it kind of depends on your scenario. Let's say you're a hiker. Mm-hmm. Or let's say you're going out and you got your dogs. I know people that have done this, and maybe you're even camping out. You're going for a hike. Right. You're going to set up camp. You got your dog. You're there. Now you're, you're you know, I mean, you got your pack on there. You're down you know with a 100, 150 pound pack. And yeah. you know what I mean? Maybe yeah. you would put it on the dog for easy access. Of you all bet. the things I'm going to let my dog carry, though, like the <laughs> little two. Yeah. To, to, how, well, how much is a gun? I guess it would depend. A couple, a one-pound gun, yeah, or a two-pound, five-pound gun, whatever it would be. I'll probably carry that one myself. 
Uh, yes. I'm just trying to. Maybe my key. I'm just. I, I'm trying to find a, a reason why it's a good idea. I've got this little vest <laughs> that I walk my dog all the time, and I hunt with him. I do whatever, and he's got all sorts of stuff you throw on him. Ones are like a protective vest that uh, that'll bring up another point I'll talk about in a second. I don't let him use it anymore, but it had a zipper compartment, and I kicked around the option of of putting my truck keys in the zipper compartment. And I thought to myself, do I really want my dog responsible for my keys? No. No. Yeah. And if I'm not going to let my dog carry my keys, am I going to let my dog carry my gun? Probably not. Yeah. Probably not. But is it a crime? I mean, is it, it's like, let's say it's concealed. My dog's got it. On the one hand, I'm not possessing it. (laughs) It's not (laughs) like, I'm not the one that's in possession of that. But what if I have the end of the leash that is in possession of the dog? Well, so I've got constructive possession, but what if he's not on a leash and runs away and they find it and they want to charge me with, with uh, carrying a concealed weapon. I mean, it, it'd be an interesting academic debate. Or not. It sounds or, or, like this caller, really, didn't they say that he had a, a CCW? He's got his, his, his yeah, carry concealed. Right. Yeah. And uh, so, but once again, I, why are you putting it on your dog? And isn't there some kind of, some kind of stipulation of lack of control of your gun? <sighs> Well, I mean, that would fall under that, right? I mean, potentially, if it's on a dog, you've lost control of. But I'm not sure that's a crime. Oh, oh I, I don't know. Okay, I, I think it's concealed. Am I in, like it, it? It works your it works in your favor both ways. It's concealed, but okay. I'm allowed to have it concealed if I got control over it. And then if it's if if the dog is gone, running away somewhere, I'm not even in possession of it. Okay. So there might be some other. I, I might have some duties if it if I lost my gun. Um, and we talked about too briefly. If it, it's locked up, yeah, on the dog, on the horsey, yeah, on how, the lawnmower. Now, <laughs> it, I mean, yeah, why are you going to lock the gun? On but the that's dog? the thing. Why would you? Exactly. Because it's like, well, I'm jogging. It's not comfortable to carry, and it's, it could fall out because I'm because I'm running. I could understand. I mean, I don't have a heart. Well, and so I want to put it on my dog. But it's like, well, then how are you going to? You know, what good is it there? Or maybe you would say, well, I was jogging over to this other store that I own, and I was just getting a little exercise in the middle of the day from one to the other, and when I got to that store, I needed the gun. Well, where the hell are you jogging? You have to have a gun. I don't know. That's I mean, the thing. Maybe you want to choose a different place to run. You could choose a different place to run or not run or just carry it on you. You know, it's I, like I, yeah. strap it, it on, It can't man. be any as comfortable on a dog as it is for you. I mean, the dog's going to be lopsided if you think about <laughs> You'd have to get, you'd maybe give him two guns, <laughs> one on each side. And, exactly. And with the horse, I guess we should clarify, we're talking sort of uh, academically, but yeah. in theory, you cannot carry a concealed, the, the CCW rules are carrying concealed handgun doesn't apply to the long oh, guns. okay. So, All right. Okay. So if you want to put your 15 inch shotgun or whatever the rules would be on with the John gun, Wayne yeah. flip on it. Yeah. Yeah. You could do that maybe yeah. a, a shorter shotgun, but it's, uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I'm not jogging and I'm not putting my, uh, you know, I'm not doing it. That's interesting. Yeah. And, I can't think of the. I, I, I get in these discussions with people about their CCWs, and the, and here's the biggest thing that happens. It happens all the time. People go out, or they get so used to carrying their gun that, uh, in fact, I represent somebody just recently that they got a little late for the airport, throwing all their stuff in a bag. Um, maybe they were going to take this bag, change their mind, took that bag. Now they get to the airport, it goes to the metal detector, and lo and behold, they got their six hour there with a nice fancy laser scope on it or laser sights on it, and uh, you're taking it to the airport. Now you're not trying to do anything wrong, but it, it's like you—it's it, a problem, and uh, that's why 
And then the other, the other bigger problem I get that really does get people hung up is when they take it to the bar or it's in their car and they, they're driving home after the bar and they've had one too many, or at least the allegation is they've had one too many and um, they get arrested because they have the license. They sort of have to call out whether they're carrying or not. So this is like, you're, you're in a bag of tricks now. Yes, I'm a, I'm a handgun owner and I, I am not carrying or I am carrying my firearm is in my center console and there it is, like it always is, loaded with one in the chamber. Now you're now it's a crime because you're drunk and you're driving and you've got the gun. But you can fly. You can can't you check it in your in your check on bags? You can do that. What did he try to do? He tried to go through carry his carry on. Carry on. Ooh, wow. happens all the time. And Ooh, more often than you would really? know. Yeah, huh. people forget that they have. Like I've had people with it on their ankle and they forget. They're like, oh. Well, I guess yeah. I could see that. You, you're wearing it all the time, so you forget. It's like a, a ring or... Yeah. yeah. It's, yeah? Just, okay. it's so commonplace. Right. Wow. And most of the time, though, it's in your carry-on bag. And in this particular situation, he wasn't going to take that bag. He was going to check all his stuff and decided instead he was going to take the bag. It was some weird decision like that at the last minute. And there it goes through the metal detector, and he's like, ah. Oh. So they detained him. They let him get on the plane. And uh, they kept the firearm, charged him. Uh, in Columbus, anyway, they they could charge you with more, but they're charging you with trespass. And there's a provision of the trespass law in Ohio that says uh, if you're carrying a gun in a gun-free zone, even with a permit, then it's it, there's a trespass violation. Um, and it wasn't it wasn't a quote federal offense, although I've had those cases in federal court too. But uh, you know, it's it was it was a slap on the wrist, so to speak. He's able to get his gun back, fortunately, and he learned a valuable lesson. But, you know, that happens. So if you're traveling with the gun, you need to do your homework on your destination. Uh, on the CCW. On the CCW, allowed. you're never allowed to take a gun on into the interior compartment You, you of the can't plane. take it into the plane. What I mean is like if you're traveling from Columbus and you're going to Colorado, you need to know the laws in Colorado with that. You would want to know what the rules are. And I don't know the nuance of all the reciprocity rules on, on your license to carry. And whether all states will honor it or not honor okay. it. Right now, it's kind of weird. I do believe, like Ohio and Florida match up, but there's some some states. So what law, what, have, what liberties you have do not necessarily carry into another state. No, and sometimes you have to follow their laws. Yes. So in you theory, know you're driving across the country. You've got to change how you're carrying yeah. Yeah. yeah, right. Yeah, okay. Some, okay. You know the helmet laws uh, of motorcycles. You know, I for the longest time I I did not wear helmets. I I, I wear one now, and I do not like it. But anyhow. We'd be going, and then sometimes you'd cross the state line, and literally we'd have to pull over to the side of the road, put our helmets on. Yeah. Because it's helmet law. Uh-huh. You know, so some, you know, I mean, so like you said, so if you're riding a bike, just like if you're carrying a gun, mm-hmm. you'd always look at our route sure. and be like, well, we got to wear a helmet here. We can take it off here. We got to put it back on here. And then we'd be wearing these plastic novel helmets, which is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. they, I mean, they, but they're really nice. I mean, they're not heavy. They don't, they don't, they weren't, I mean, they might kind of help. They're plastic, but then they're small. And like, I remember watching like a bicycle helmet almost kind of, they, because that's, they, they're not ODOT approved or, you know what uh, I mean? Or, or DOT approved, I should say. Yeah. Um, and they'll sell them at events and they call them <laughs> novelty helmets, you know, and we would wear those. Okay. And I remember watching like, cause New York has helmet laws. And I remember old OCC, and every time they'd go out for a test ride on the bike, I'd watch them, and I'd be like, they were wearing the novelty helmets. 
not real because like those you, little shorties that they're uh, little shorties which they make they make okay. dot approved shorties but they're like this they're like they're way they're they're yeah they just got they uh, not look uh, like golly. that <laughs> yeah. yeah you'll see people wearing those novelty helmets all the time like not so much on running down the road in Ohio because you don't have to have a, a helmet which I don't believe in helmet laws I, I I think that's I'm ridiculous. With you, man. I don't either. Um, I don't believe in vaccine laws either. Yeah, I don't believe in it. I, so or even seatbelt laws. Once again, I don't have to wear my helmet. I choose to. Well, this is it's this my choice. This notion that we need somebody in charge of the federal government or state government to protect us from ourselves is is problematic to me. And I, I think I probably talked about this on the air. There's that Michael Rowe, the Dirty Jobs guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He, he, he was talking on a podcast one time about a study they did with uh, seatbelts. And they would monitor people's driving um, two ways. One way, same car, everything the same, same people with a seatbelt in the car. And then they would monitor their driving in the next phase without a seatbelt in the car. So in the one, they, these people put their seatbelts on and drove. And in the other uh, sec- or part of the study, there was no seatbelts. The people who were wearing seatbelts, even the same people, I think, I might be misquoting the study, but the premise is similar, um, drove faster, a little more reckless mm-hmm. than the people without seatbelts. I wouldn't doubt it. I was wondering yeah. if it was going to go there. And this yeah. isn't an indictment of seatbelts. I wear my seatbelt. I feel weird without it now. But it's um, even when it wasn't a law, I grew up and my mom said, you have to wear a seatbelt in the car. That's just how it is. And we hated it. We hated it. It was back in like the eighties when it when it first started to become the thing. Um, we when, it, when we I hated built it. when I built my Jeep, you know, it was a nineteen seventy nine Jeep CJ five, and we stripped it down to the front. I bought it when I was like fourteen, fifteen years old. I didn't have it done till I was like you know, what I mean, halfway through my sixteenth you know year. But my dad was a helicopter pilot, and he got me these four point harnesses from the helicopter. And whenever we built, we built, we put seats in them. We made the frames and everything like that. And we had the anchors to those seat belts went to the frame. Yep. Okay. So no matter what, I was. You're in. I'm in. <laughs> yeah. And with that, and even when my friends would get in, you'd tighten that down. You were in there, right? I mean, you're, it's like a race seat. I, we would, we felt like, hey, man, we can roll this. It's got a roll cage. Yeah, we're safe. We can roll this because we're not going to fly out of it. We're we are we are buckled in, and uh, you know what I mean. So was that a good move or a bad move? I don't know, but I am going to say that I never really thought about it until you just brought this up. That's but now, once again, I was sixteen. You, you're invincible. I'm ass crazy. You're, you know you're I mean? invincible. It's, it's, you're right. Yeah, yeah I'm ten and, foot tall and bulletproof. Yeah. Yep. I would bet you. <clears throat> I would bet you this is probably true of safety stuff across the board, and it's um. You know, if you if the, if you have this subconscious perception that you're safe, you're going to act. You're you're not going to be as safe consciously, and uh, whether it's industrial equipment, woodworking, whatever it is, like if you're scared of something, you're going to be a lot more pensive about it. Everything you do, I would think, and probably same with helmets. You know. Now I'll tell you though, yeah. uh, busting a hundred miles an hour, I do not feel safer with or without a helmet. I know that if this bike goes down at this rate of speed, yeah, you're, do- you're, you're toast either way. Yeah. Doesn't matter. Yeah, it yeah. doesn't matter. You're gonna, yeah, it just, it's, yeah. yeah. So, but you're, I, you're I, only, I, but you're only harming yourself. I don't feel yeah, safer wearing the helmet. Yeah. No, yeah. I'm. I actually, I, I don't like it. I think that it's worse 
because the the wind that's blowing, the the amount of sound is there's more sound going on with the helmet on because you got wind going in there, it's in your eardrums, and the wind will pick it up like think like a parachute. And and your head's heavier now, and that wind you got more area for the wind to push you back to where you can get fatigued. Hmm. Hmm. This is uh, Brett and I were talking this before you showed up this morning. It's like there's always all these rules, all these regulations, all these things that people think they can solve with some sort of government action. They disregard the one fundamental, uh, uh, the one fundamental problem, and that is human nature. There's always. There's, uh, there's always some other consequence to everything. It's like the boy in the dike. He stuck his finger in here, and then it started to leak over there, and it just kept going, and so on, so on. So you make people wear a helmet. What you just described, I would never know. If I'm not a motorcycle rider, and I'm in I'm in Congress banging, banging my table saying, helmets, 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 safe, safe, safe. We're here to protect the people that rely on us. I'm not going to think that the wind in my helmet is going to be uh, – make it harder for me to ride and create fatigue. And then I'm going to have more, I'm going to have accidents as a result of that. And it might be okay. It might be okay. It might be a trade-off that you want, but they wouldn't even ever considered it. That's why we'd wear those novelty helmets because they only weighed like a pound, if that. Mm-hmm. So, you know what I mean? Compared to, a, you know what I mean? Putting five, six pounds on your head. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Now you've got more wind resistance to pull your head back. So those little helmets didn't pull your head back as much. They didn't weigh as much. So that's why we would choose those to wear them. Now, I mean, now I'm wearing a dot-approved bell helmet, which, once again, I went through numbers of different helmets before I could found something that I, I could live with. And I wear it because Shorty likes me to wear it. That's it. Yeah. That's, that's Make sure. the reason. There was a— uh, And in wintertime. Yeah. Then it works because it keeps you warm. Keeps you it's warm. warm. It's <laughs> warm. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Well, you know, your reason's legit. You want to keep warm. happy. Yeah, that yeah, that's it's yeah, okay. There, yeah, and that's that, legitimate. It is. Come on, you know. Yeah, and there's always, you know, it's like everybody would give me. Now I am missing the tip of a finger, but there, like I took the blade guard off my table saw. And I used to say, "It's I feel sick." I didn't like the the big thing over top of it. I didn't. I couldn't see what was going on, and I just didn't like it. I I, I didn't like it that way. And uh, of course, I lost my finger, and that wouldn't have stopped it. What, what I, how I lost my finger had nothing to do with that blade guard. Everybody's like, take the guard off. I was like, yeah, there was no guard on it. No, see? Like, listen, that finger was going. But what I was doing was dumb. Um, so it's, there's always some other, there's always another angle that people don't consider. It reminds me, Thomas Sowell wrote a book called um, Basic Economics, and he talks about this. I think it was that one. And I, don't, I think it was a true plane crash that occurred. And as a result of plane crash, there was a, a child had died. And the child was, uh, I think, under two, and uh, the kid died. And everybody was up in arms. Uh, the federal, what is the Aviation F- Committee. FAA, is that FAC or FAA, whatever yeah. it is. Um, they, they got real proud about this and said, we are now going to mandate that every passenger has to have a seat because the kid who died was in mom's lap, wasn't buckled in, wasn't in a seat. And uh, they're so proud that as a result of that, kids haven't died in plane crashes. Well, Thomas Sowell says, well, here's the problem. I pulled stats of all the children um, who died, not in plane crashes, but traveling. And it went up. It went up a lot. And the reason it went up a lot is because if I'm a family of four or five and I have three kids, I couldn't afford air travel because now I had to buy a seat for each kid. And instead of that, I'm going to drive. 
So now we got more families on the highway, more car crashes, and more kids are dying in car crashes than they are in plane crashes across the board. I mean, it's not even close. Like the fatalities in, in on the road versus in the air are not even close. But it looked really good on paper to say every kid is, has to have a seat. The unintended consequence of that was more kids died. It, and it just is a fact. I mean, I've been flying a lot lately. Every weekend now for whatever the past three months. And... uh Boy, do I hate it. I mean, I hate it, and it's just the weirdest feeling of being... uh, It's filled with people, yet quiet. You know I mean? Right now, I mean, before the pandemic, you'd see pictures where it was empty. No, it's it's full. I mean, every single flight that we're on is we're loading on. I'm flying southwest, and you get to sit. They let you on. There's no signed seats. Everyone, this is a full, full, full today, so don't be putting your bags in the middle seat. Somebody's going to sit there. It's full. It's full. And while you're sitting in like like Port Columbus or anywhere, there's on the speaker all the time. You mu- due to uh, federal uh, regulations, you must wear your mask over your mouth and face. You know, bandanas are not scar- you know, scarves that they don't count, and they'll give you a mask. And then you're sitting there, and you've got police that are walking around, and then you've got these TSA guys that are literally walking up and down the roads where people are sitting, looking at them. And on the announcement too, it's like if you are caught. You will be removed by a police officer and not allowed on the airport property. I walked into one flight and my my mask was kind of down a little bit. My nose wasn't totally covered. And uh, immediately this woman, as I was getting on, stewardess told me to mask up. They'll give announcements that if you fall asleep, they will wake you up to make sure your mask is on right. If you fall asleep and, and it's down a little bit, they'll wake you up. And then whenever I sat down and she's giving her announcement, she's looking right at me. And she's like, if you are found here without it on your mouth or you're uh, covering your mouth and nose, you will be escorted off the plane and you will be escorted off the airport property. You will not be able to grab a flight on another, you, you know, you'll be put on a no fly list. So now, you know, I mean, and you got to do a changeover and you're sitting in Chicago and it's just just the weirdest, eeriest feeling. And then you're sitting there for five hours, totally masked up. I get home. I feel lethargic. Yeah. Exhausted. Exhausted. I, I don't do well with them either. I don't. I don't. Yeah. I don't do well with it. And then you know, I mean, you get the whole flight in the plane, and it's packed, and it's. So I can go mm. on a plane. I was just thinking about this. I'm going to wear like a spaghetti strap, tight, lycra tank top, a speedo, flip flops. Maybe the tank top would be cut off right about the worst. Yes, definitely cut off. I already, I already was yeah. It's like neon yellow too. Right, I'm already, I'm, 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 I got it. You, you're painting a good picture. Right. And so, and my my dirty hairy armpits hanging out. Yeah. And uh, my feet exposed. And I'm not going to take a shower. If I'm have my mask on. I'll be safe. I'll yes. Be, everybody's keeping safe from the virus. But it's like it doesn't. It, it, it's absurd. It's it's absurd on its face. It shows you that um, the unintended. It's again. You, I can come up with a dozen unintended consequences of mask wearing that create bigger problems than the masks themselves that nobody ever wants to hear. Nobody ever wants to hear it at all. Um, and uh, it's always like, well, I would like to know how many people have to constantly play with their face and get whatever germs on the that were on their face or on their masks on whatever they then touch. And how, like, start doing that exponential math on the unintended consequences of forced mask wearing. And it, it just goes on and on and on and on and on. But it looks good. It looks good. Mm-hmm. People can say mass work. Like <laughs> some some flights are harder than others. Mm-hmm. I've seen some stewards that this one guy sat up front there, and as he's sitting in his locked in jump you know seat, he's got his mask down, his nose out, 
And those flights, I'm like, all right, cool. You know, I got some brethren. And then whenever I'm sitting there too, I always will have my nose out. That way, if somebody wants to sit next to me, they know what they're dealing with. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's right. Cause Southwest is uh sit where you can. Yeah. Normally it's just me, Kenny and, and, and Jason. So we get, we go through and we'll all sit together. But I have flown before where there's like one time I was, there was four of us. So we couldn't, you know, do that. And I had to move around and sit, sit in different places. But, uh, I think I'm going to bring my, I got to travel soon. And I, I actually kicked this around. I can't wear mat. I mean, even when I do construction work and I'm in the attic and I, and I got insulation and I'm, even if it's just, and I wear, I do wear the N95s when I have to sometimes, um, I can't do it for very long. So I get out my old fashioned respirator. You know what I'm talking about with the, that covers your face and it's got the two cartridges. I can wear those indefinitely because it's something like, I guess whatever it is, it doesn't restrict my breathing. Yes. Um, I can wear it. I mean, it's sweaty and I get hot and it's glistening with gross sweat when I take it off. But I thought about it. Would they let me wear that on the plane? I don't know. It's like, I, I haven't seen it. You put one of those on and then I'll put my goggles on too, just for fun. Saw a picture of that exact moment. And I, in, in the comments of that, it said that those are not legal. I wonder why. I don't know. They, they, they didn't, they didn't go into the details, but some, they experienced that same situation and they were t- asked to take that mask off. So, so they can't, you can't do the, 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 the cans. Yeah. So I yes, can wear, no, that's what they said. Uh, on the announcements, it can't have any release. So that yeah, but filtered, but it doesn't like, matter. Yeah. No, no release, no mask. No, they said no I, N95s with release too. They, they, this is on the announcements. So if I it has a release valve of any kind, which is so, it's so stupid. Yeah, so I, I can know. wear a cloth mask that stops nothing. An N95 may stop nothing. I don't know. I guess here's, here's what's been proven by studies. I'm almost positive and we're going to get canceled as a result of this probably. It's like that, uh, it, whether masks work or not, leave that aside for a second. Mask mandates do nothing. So, like, think about that. So if I force masks by law, it changes hardly anything, whether masks work or not, to stop the spread of this virus. So mandating, it doesn't change anything. And and the reasons are going to be obvious. Like, the guys who aren't going to wear masks or don't want to wear them aren't going to do it properly ever because they're going to be constantly fidgeting. And, and even those who have to wear them that they think they're doing it properly, they're not because you can't. Like, even the, like, well, why do they wear them during surgeries? All right. So you're talking like a few hours of time for with people who are trained. Well, some surgeries are eight hours. All right. They're still trained to wear masks for that period of time. And I would, ge- I would guess that they could take breaks in the surgery, that they are not wearing it properly. And the other funny thing is right when this hit – now we're really going to get canceled. Right when this hit, I did – I, I did a research, Google search, and it was the opposite. When That was when Fauci was saying nobody should wear masks. They don't help. I thought, I wonder what ma- I, I, there's got to be studies. So I Googled it, the f- effectiveness of masks or whatever. And there, I think it was a Harvard Medical Journal had a long paper on this. And the end result, like I, I, did, I can't lie and say I read every word of the paper, but I did read the abstract and I read sort of the end conclusion. And it basically said – we can't establish one way or another where masks in the medical industry really do anything, but it's traditional. People seem to feel better about the fact that they're wearing masks. So that's why we do it. And I probably have oversummarized the outcome of the study, but it wasn't definitive by any measure one way or another that masks, even in surgery did much. And I would say that there's some logic behind, all right, well, if you sneezed, a mask would help. But if you've got an open surgery and you were going to sneeze, 
do you think he would just do it? Or do you think he might like leave the room or so even that's not a real good comparison. So, well, it's going to help if I sneeze. I'm thinking to myself, well, if I'm sick like that and I'm sneezing, I'm not. I don't think a mask is going to stop, what, 120 mile an hour sneeze? It's not. So, it's probably going to come off your face and come back on. Now, if I spit, <laughs> you know. if I spit, yeah, but I'm not going to spit with or without. It's like, it's yeah, just so dumb. Drippy, drippy nose maybe, but, you know. I don't yeah, know. Exactly. I, I don't know. Yeah, the whole thing is know. absurd, but yeah. uh, it looks good. It gives me a drippy nose. Yeah. I, I, but I have allergies. It, yeah. So I'm driving with my son. And we we're talking about he he brought it up about you know still a question mark whether Hilliard schools I think today they just announced that uh, high school middle school high school <clears throat> we want you to wear a mask but you don't have to and pre K through six will have to okay so he's making the comment prior to this announcement kind of going man I hope we don't have to wear masks going to school this year he says uh-huh. I, I just it I it just kills my soul. Man, there's going to be so it I, kills I, I, my soul. That's such an interesting way to say. It. What did I mean? know? I, I I think it's just that he can, the relationship he has with his friends at school, it just dies. Yeah, it, it, you're just a masked person. You can't interact. That's such a good man. That's, that's so good. insightful for your son yeah. to, to see that. And and I felt worried. bad for him. It's like, yeah, you're right. You you know. And I was glad to see this announcement today, at least for him, being a senior in Heights at Hilliard Davidson. He has the option. Kills my soul. Yeah. It's so true. And you know, the psychologists are all getting. Nobody's going to come out and talk about this, but man, hiding faces. Like like I remember when my sons were infants, they knew they knew. They responded to the faces I made, mm-hmm. and it wasn't my eyes. It was my, you know, it's like your face. There was there was communication that occurred in that, even as as even with an infant, there was critical communication that our youth aren't getting. Mm-hmm. And then if I had to go try a case and I couldn't use my my acting abilities or your face or like the stuff we do all the time, a quick frown or a smirk or. A, or a smile. There's only limitations you can do with your eyes. There are lots of things you can do with your eyes, but it's actually a combination of everything on your face. Yes. Yeah. If you think about it, you and, know. And even if you could do it with your eyes, I think there is an aversion that occurs if somebody's masked, you're not looking like you normally would. Like I'm not looking for a communication cue from somebody who's got a mask on. It's like it's impossible. You can't I see pictures on Facebook of these people traveling and they're all on the beach or something wearing masks. I was like, it's just I it, it, I, I, can't, I can't even look at it. it mm. It's frustrating to me. Yeah. Like, are you smiling? Are you not smiling? Are you happy? Are you not? So it really just become this virtue signal of, look, I'm wearing my mask. I'm a good guy. I'm doing the thing we're supposed to do. Um, but the adverse consequences, whether they work or not, are, is completely, are, they're getting completely brushed aside of any consideration. And that's the danger of this kind of stuff. We're, this is what we're talking about. Like, rarely is there one outcome that results only from one cause and ultimately, there's usually multiple impactful things that result from any one regulatory scheme. And it's most of the time unattended adverse consequences. Yeah. Yeah. Your, your comment about the mandate and the, and the adverse effects of it, I never thought about that in that realm. It's like, well, if you tell somebody they have to, you're going to get the pushback. If it's an yeah. advised and for the health of it. Yeah, you might have more participation in it. You might. If you published... Allow smart people, allow us to be smart about this. If you yeah. published honest 
regular, honest studies and honest advisories about what, what the good is and what the bad is. Because you can't tell me that there is no adverse impact of, a, of mask wearing. There's got to be. And it just, there has to be. Mm. And, you know, if you, and if you publish those things next to all the possible benefits, then Jared can look at it and say, all right, well, that makes sense. I should wear a mask when I do this, this, and this, and maybe not when I do this, this, and this. And to think that Jared's not capable of making that kind of a rational assessment of what's good is so belittling by governmental elites that it almost makes me vomit in my mouth. It's like to say that you can't make that, you're not capable of that. And now they're saying you have a health, like you have a psychological brain condition because you, you don't, you're not good enough to make, or you don't wear a mask. It's so insane. And yeah, you know, get the vaccine. You don't have to wear a mask. If you get the vaccine, you get to live your life like everybody else. Non-vaccinated people, you got to wear a mask. And then they're like this, ah, if you're vaccinated, you got to wear a mask. So either the, the masks work and the vaccine doesn't, or the mask don't work and the vaccine does. You can't have both. It doesn't. It's it's and and Not, then like I said, I was uh, there was a report that came out. My boy John Sellers brought it up to me about how they've done this study and the people that don't want to wear masks and don't want to get the vaccine and and believe their freedom is being taken from them have a mental problem. We have a there's a, a part of our brains that that is that is an, an issue. So then I get back to it. If the vaccines work, which we're told they work, and they keep pushing them, want everybody to have it. Why do they care about the people? that to them have mental defects, wouldn't they be happy that we would disappear and, and weed off? You know, it's funny because there's a rule, there's like this rule in cross-examination that you never ask an open-ended question. I would never ask you, well, why do you feel that way, Jared, on cross-examination? Because what are you going to do? You're just going to ram it right at my backside with all the stuff I don't want to hear. Um, but I, I break that rule sometimes. And I break that rule sometimes when people are, when witnesses have gotten so far out on a limb that I can ask a question like, how do you know? And I know their answer is going to be BS. I just know it because there is no way they could know. And every time somebody says there are no long-term adverse consequences to this vaccine, on cross-examination, I would ask, wait a minute, how do you know that? What study are you talking about that's done a long-term analysis of vaccinations that, that were rolled out six months ago? So let's start with the definition of long-term. Do you mean like more than a year? Do you mean more than a month? Do you need more than, how much more than six months since these vaccinations have been around are you talking about? Because I'd like to know how you know there isn't a long-term consequence beyond somebody or uh, beyond six months when we, nobody's had the vaccine that long. Like, how do you know? And then you're going to get an answer. Well, I mean, that's because, because what? The person who's selling it to you says so? Or the, even when you get like FDA approval because they say so, is that what, is that what this is? And I'm not saying there aren't, there are, or there aren't long-term consequences, but when the government is saying there aren't, how do they know? It's, it's, it's logically impossible. So anyway, what else? I've, I've had my rant. It's been too long. Um, I'll tell you what else. The, the guy that was had the question about the uh, the enlightenment, the the oh, the guardian enlightenment, guardian enlightenment. He started out on a broadcast on the radio, telling a joke. At first, I thought his wife was the actress. 
You know what I mean? But he was just making a joke that she's, uh, you know what I mean, a puking bed. It's like, that's probably part of your problem. I know. If you're willing to say that on the air, how much other trash are you talking to where you've probably been talking to the kids and the kids go to the Elitum and they're like this. Well, daddy says that mom is a beast, that mom is a, 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 a you know what I mean, she's got demon in her or whatever, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. He's talking about the exorcist. He's talking about the exorcist. She's possessed. She's possessed. Right. She's going crazy. Her head's turning around. She's she's vomiting pee soup on 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 the bed. She's a and it's like, so you're gonna start off with that. That's that's where you're gonna start off on a broadcast radio. That maybe the Enlightenment's listening. Yeah. And she's like this. That's exactly what I'm talking about. See what I see? This guy, judge? Yeah. this guy's talking trash. I mean, if she found that, mm-hmm. and let's say that I'm, let's say the wife found it. Sure, she's going to she, show it. She could record it and be like this. We would like to present this. This is what he says on a broadcast throughout Central Ohio. Here's how he talks about me. Yep. And this is, uh, I had this conversation with Beard a couple months ago. It's like, it, I had this, and it's an obvious revelation, but it was a revelation. And I'm not going to lie. It, it was a revelation coming from, that hit me as a result of reading the Bible, not to get religious about it, but I, something hit me. And that is this is that almost everything bad that has occurred in my life to me, I can relate it back to a decision that I made or something I did. And I'm not saying everything is my fault or I have control over everything, but too often we, for the same reason, it's a very similar logic to the mass we were talking about. It's like, I, this guy, you can't blame everybody else for all the problems that you're having. Like the guardian doesn't like you. Instead of looking in the mirror and saying, what am I doing that might cause the guardian to be siding with the other side? You're saying the guardian is unfair and is only siding with the other side and hates me unfairly. And that is a, unless you've actually done a realistic assessment about what your conduct, what your behavior is, the things you're saying on the air, for instance, then you're, you're, it's not a fair assessment of what's going on. And it's so hard, even for me personally, to go through that. Like something bad happens to me, it's easy to say, man, I got screwed on that. That was so unfair. That was a bunch of BS. And whether it's because of the shutdowns or whether it's because of this or this person doing whatever, almost always I can I can find a point in time where I didn't do something or I did something and it wasn't the right thing to do, either intentionally or unintentionally. And, you know, you've got to have this, you've got to have this ability to self-assess and say, I take responsibility for this outcome. And uh, every now and then somebody just comes up and shoots you in the back of the head and it's not your fault. All right, fine. But even if it's partly somebody else's fault, often it's something in response to what you've done or didn't do or how you've acted, whether it's that, you know, that bitterness that's oozing out on the radio or whether it's something else. So that's a great point you had. It's like, that's not the, the, the guardian is going to, presumably and fairly look at both and make a decision and it's not going your way. Now I had a friend you, you who you talked with, I brought in here and uh, Jimmy and that guardian was on his side. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, in the end that guardian helped him out so much, but you know what he did? He did everything that you said that he was told to do to class. You know I mean? He, 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 he did everything he was supposed to do. And the guardian saw that he was, uh, you know, I mean, he, she stood up for him. Well, really she stood up for the children yep. and she felt that that was a better route to take. Yep. So they are looking at it from the children 
And I think these guardians, I mean, wouldn't, aren't they more? I mean, I think that they're they seem pretty objective. I mean, they they kind of go black and white and just do their researches. I don't know that for a fact. Yeah, no, I, I think you're right. Generally speaking, is there a? I, I hear all the time, and I tend to agree on some level, but I don't think it's the only factor. Is there a bias in different jurisdictions with different individuals, with different courts, with different guardians? And they're not all the same. Is there bias towards men or women within certain people? There probably is. It would be unfair to human nature to say otherwise. I think it w- is on the judges. If the judges come from the children's standpoint or if they've done a lot of um, divorce court, yeah, they're going to have a different perspective. They're going to have a different perspective. At least in that realm. The guardian, yeah, and maybe. If, uh, guardians, there may be some guardians that really want to say, you know what, dads have been screwed for too long. I'm going to sort of even unwittingly drift over in dad's direction. And there may be some that say, boy, I had this incident. When I I say they would say, or maybe they're influenced by something that happened in their past that would lead them to drift towards the female. That's going to happen. It just is. That's human nature. To say that doesn't exist is nothing short of absurd. But how am I going to deal with it? Like you're talking about your friend. He did the right thing. This is the advice I try to give my, I try to follow myself and not always, but I try. And the advice I, I give my clients, you need to do what's right no matter what. You need to stay the course and do what's right. You don't badmouth your ex. You don't contaminate your kids against your ex. You think that that's helping. It's only helping the really deep, dark, horrible part of your personality. It's not helping the good part, and it's not helping your kids. And if if you if you do that, that is the only way you're ever going to walk out of that forest with people on your side. That is it. You you can't snow them. You can't get bitter about it and say they're biased. At the same time, you're not doing what you should be doing. You you, you can't do it. And you're walking out with no regrets as well. And you walk out and say, at least I did it right. Right. At least I did it right. I, I did what I could, not perfect. I did what I could. And I'm always weary or leery on whatever. I'm always suspicious of people who say, I've not done anything wrong. I'm a perfect parent. I, you know, it's like I've been with the counselors of my own kids and I confess, man, I was having a bad day. And I, I, they, they heard a tone of my voice they've never heard before. And, you know, it feels good to say I did that. Now, if you do that regularly and you don't try to work on that, like what parent hasn't, you know, in those divorce situations, Everybody tries to hide the fact that they're not perfect. And I think as a result of trying to hide the fact that they're not perfect, they expose the fact that they're, they've got bigger problems than being imperfect. Maybe if that. Well, they're they're untrustworthy in in regards to what they would say. It's like, no, you cannot be a perfect parent. You can't be. So I can't trust anything comes out of your mouth now. So if you claim you've never done anything wrong as a parent. It's impossible. Then you're lying. Yeah. Or you're unwilling to recognize reality. Right. Either way, and that's probably worse. Probably worse because you're not even self you're not even self aware, right? Yeah. And and therefore you're gonna you're gonna do something wrong with the kids. Yep, and you will do something wrong with the kids, and they're gonna yeah. pick up on it. So no, what a great uh, that was a great insight you had there, Jared. That that it, it's is there a reason that the guardian is biased that he or she brought to the table? Maybe. What are you gonna do about it? Yeah, because and what are you gonna think? <clears throat> what's the next one gonna be better? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and like you said, that is yeah, exactly. And you were mentioning to to the caller, 
if you don't get a new one, well, now you now kind, you're, you yeah. kind of muddied the water over there. Yeah. Tough to see the bottom. <laughs> yeah. And like your friend, he, I had some long talks. Yeah. And it was more like counseling sessions. And he needed a place to vent all the stuff that he perceived was unfair. And that's okay. You know, that's perfectly okay. That's what we do down here sometimes before we hit record. But it's if you act on it outside of just trying to work through it and you make base decisions on it, then it gets really ugly. And I'm glad that worked out for him because it's like the it's the hardest thing to stay the course and do what's right when you perceive the other side is not staying the course and doing what's right. You want to stoop down and get in the mud with them. And especially if they're winning, if they're, if you perceive that they're winning yeah, Yeah. Yeah. And what's the, there's a, there's actually a Psalm. If I'm going to quote the Bible, it's like, don't be envious of those who do evil. I forget what it is. Like Psalm 37. I don't remember, but I've always, when I read it the first time, I thought, boy, that's pretty fascinating. It's like, just because somebody else is doing something wrong, doesn't mean you should, you should stay your righteous path and, Mm -hmm. and do what you do your best to do what's right. Two wrongs don't make a right. Two wrongs don't make a right. Right. right? It's the, it's such a, it is so true and you don't always see it at the time, but when you look back, you're going to say, let's say it goes his way. He he can attribute it to those hard decisions that he made at two in the morning, staring at the ceiling. Or if it didn't go his way, um, he can say, at least I did everything I possibly could. And I didn't drop down and swim in the mud. Or if he if he did everything he could and it didn't go his way, he's got his integrity. In other words, like yes, it's yeah. a, you know he's got his integrity, and he can always look back. Now, if he did it badly and it didn't go his way, he got to be able to look in the mirror and say, why not? Well, see, it was the opposite. The other party was the one that was muddying the water with the kids and telling them bad things and things like that, and yep. the enlightened caught onto it. Yep. Yep. They know. Yep. They know, and. and Anybody looking at it knows, right? When, like the kids, the kids are like little little uh, windows to your soul. Like you can, like you can, they are wide open. They, like young kids, they're not going to say, "Well, Daddy does all these bad things," unless some, unless they like they, they don't even know. I mean, they, they have no no perception or the ability to to develop that thought process. So it's so obvious that when the guardians talk, yeah, or like uh, you know, I, it. it you got it. You got to stay the course, and you got to do the right thing. And when you try to blame everybody else for all the bad stuff that happens, it's like, yeah, there's going to be a lot of bad stuff in your life. Yeah, I was doing a recording session with Casa Franklin County, the court-appointed special advocate, pretty close to item stuff. And yep. And there was a court. We had a judge in here recording an episode, and he was talking about one case where the ruling was against the mom and the mom, and the the judge asked the kids about you know. Are you good with this? That sort of thing. And, and uh, one of the kids said, mom should have gotten a lot more than that for the stuff she did to us. They know. They know. Yeah, they do. They do. And They know what's right and wrong. And if they yeah. don't know now, and the, I think the chances are they'll figure it out at some point. And if they never figure it out and you still have your integrity and you, and you can sleep at night knowing that you didn't get into a uh, mud bath. Yeah. I think that's still better because I guess the other side of the coin is this. If you think that you're going to go down in the mud and play the game and it's going to work out in your favor in some way and it's going to be good for your kids, that's the, then you're nuts, <laughs> right? Like if nothing else, that's going to be worse for your kids if both parents are playing in the mud bath. Mm. Like, and what's the most important thing? 
And so if you think, and even if you lose your kids, even if the kids are going to th- forever hate you and you're a parent and uh, you, you didn't get down in the mud and make it even harder on them, then you can sleep at night saying, I did the best I could with what I had and it was the best for the kids at the time. And uh, the rest of it gets out of your control. Right. It, it just is. Yeah. So, mm. and I guess that was the last one. That was I had. Uh, that was the children's services. I think that was. A, yeah. Is that all the calls? Was that all the questions? Oh no, we had the guy with the children's services caseworker. <clears throat> uh, the caseworker looking and at the, a girlfriend's. Oh, uh, that that uh, was health records. That was that was. There was a question I wanted to ask him. I know. And there's it's, a bunch. There's a bunch. But yeah, one of them I wanted to be like be this: Whose kids are they? Whose kids are they? And what's the allegation? That's that's what I wanted yeah. to know. There is uh, she just moved in with you? Did she just move in with you with these kids? Are they your kids? Whose kids are they? And then if she was, you know, what I mean, so then does the dad be like this? Listen. Right now, she's got the kids. She's shacked up with some dude over here. He called. Who called Children's Services? Right, right. Um, and maybe. And if she's never been in any trouble, I, there's, there's just. Uh, there's more. There's more. Like they didn't look at her records for no reason, whether they did it lawfully or unlawfully. There was a reason they went and looked at the records. Somebody there was a tip. Um, I don't think that. Like what, if she can have the kids, but she has to be clean. There's there's so many variables there. I'm with you. It's like one: does he know everything? No, I would have to say two, no. I'd say so too. And, and so often it's like you don't know everything. There's more, uh, and I didn't want to bud my nose into that business. And then secondly, um, you may not understand everything. There may be more to it than even if what you're told. If you're told everything, you're, you may be perceiving it. And there's always another way that. That makes sense. I guess I would say this. Rarely is it the case that my first jump is going to say that um, somebody in that scenario, like like Children's Services, is acting unlawfully. Um, I'm not saying I agree with the Children's Services in people's lives, but nor am I saying I agree necessarily with the regulatory scheme that they follow or lack of it. <clears throat> what I'm saying is it's generally not that they're out there intentionally violating people, violating the rules and impinging on people's worlds. They think they're trying to do something good. Um, and I, I think that's, that's noble at least to recognize. Um, and so I wouldn't start with nefarious intent out of children's services, caseworkers. I would start with something else. Like, it's like, why are they looking? What's going on? And then did they do it properly? And is there some way you can, you have any redress for it? And you know, what, what dawned on me there is like taking everything he said is true. What I, what I didn't know and still don't, maybe I'd be curious enough to look it up. When you go and sign up at a Suboxone clinic or you get, that kind of treatment is there are you waiving something automatically in order to get it and i don't know it wouldn't surprise me if that existed i wouldn't like it but it wouldn't surprise me Mm -hmm. um like if you say i'm going to take the free suboxone are you signing a waiver that gives somebody authority to make sure you're you're not violating the rules and then if that's somebody and here's another thing uh, so often happens the somebody who has access to it shares it improperly, perhaps, with somebody who shouldn't have access to it. And then the somebody who shouldn't have access to it has it. What are they supposed to do? Ignore it? Like, hey, guys, you're police. I live with this guy named Jared, and I know that he's always got cocaine in his closet. Hey, would you get it for us? Yeah, sure. I'll bring it to you. I do not always have cocaine in my closet, everybody. <laughs> Just so everybody knows. I keep using Jared as the cocaine guy. Today. It's because you got the bandana on. You know? um, well, you walk in on us this morning before recording. I'm talking about cocaine. It's like, let's party it up here. Party yeah, it come up. on. We started the whole thing two hours ago. Lines around the horn. But uh, anyway, good call. Say good shows. Good to be back.
we got to, uh, I think next week still works too. So that's, uh, that's good news. Uh, the exchequer is on, uh, on hiatus for a bit. He, uh, but we're going to try to loop him in, zoom him in. Uh, he's out in, uh, New Mexico doing New Mexico things, top secret, super clearance, New Mexico things. Uh, I'll, be, I'll be heading out to Virginia beach this weekend. We'll be out there 13th, 14th and 15th. Old, uh, Any of our listeners out there want to come see Jason Banks and Kenny Mock and say hi to me, stop on by. We do have tickets for the Sunday show. I do believe the Sunday show is not uh, sold out. We have a total of five shows. That where is week. it? That is Virginia Beach. Oh, Virginia Beach. Okay. So Virginia Funny Beach. Bone, Funny nice. Bone in Virginia Beach. Banks and the boys will be there. You'll be there uh, peddling uh, merchandise, uh, keeping the peace, making sure the trains run on time. That's it. Um, when are you going to get on stage? I don't know. I don't know. It I might think not you be, got it. It's, it's, it's probably coming closer. Yeah, you got some. Uh, I I just gotta I just gotta get some things together. I, I yeah that. But one. but right now I'm not getting on any of these stages. People are paying thirty five dollars a seat. You know what I mean? They don't want to see me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, he's still got his TikTok empire. Yeah, it's well, it's still rolling. But uh, it was so funny when we were in uh, where were we at? We were in Cincinnati there. Well, it's Liberty Township outside Cincinnati, yeah. near near where like kind of like Kings Island is, and. Uh, so he had posted on a thing of this interpreter. We did the show and we had some deaf people and uh, he had an interpreter and he kind of played with the interpreter for a minute because she had to say whatever he was saying. And I'd recorded some of these bits and these, there was actually two interpreters. They would take breaks and both of them, they were, they were awesome because they would use facial expressions and they were going through the motion. He was killing himself and uh, laughter with it. I mean, so he posted it on TikTok, and, uh, they they put him in uh, detention. They they put him in they put him in TikTok prison. He got in trouble. He got in trouble. They oh took it off God. and they banned him from posting anything for two days. And he didn't do it with any bad intent. He did it with good intent. Yeah. Here's the deal. They got 13 year olds shaking their ass all over that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they'll post that all day long. But uh, so yeah, he got he got kicked off of there, and uh, he's got. He's got another kind of issue. It's kind of weird. There's this uh, other person out there on the TikTok that takes his audio, okay, which you can do this, and then they kind of act out to it, do their body motions, kind of kind of different filter on it. And uh, there's this whole thing about being verified, you know, the blue check mark. Like, he's verified on, on Instagram, but they won't verify him on there. This girl does nothing, but whenever he posts a bit, she takes the audio, does her thing, and then posts it. And in the algorithms, she comes up on the search checks to where a lot of people think that that's all her, and then they might find out it's actually Banks. So he's so frustrated because she's getting out, and now she's up there in the millions of followers, where whenever she had her things up before, she had no followers, she started doing Banks' stuff, boom, and she's popping up more in the algorithms than he is. So she's getting more hits, which she gets paid. You know, The more hits you get, the more you get paid. And all she's doing is taking his bits. Mm-hmm. And she might be able to move differently, but she's just lip syncing what he's saying. She's so, taking all the creatives. Yeah. So he's kind of got a, an issue with that. And uh, so right now on TikTok, he's only kind of posting things that like, uh, come see us at uh, Utah. And about, he's just things that she can't do. And he's just kind of frustrated with it because it's just, it's just, it's just kind of weird world out there. Yeah. There's a problem before, didn't he? With yeah, the, with another kid. Well, that was yeah. a little bit different. That was, was a little, it a little different. bit different, though. That, that they, was different. They were outside the bounds of I think. TikTok yes. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. They were. He was straight ripping off his bits. I got. Gotcha. He was saying what he was saying verbatim. 
on this one, she's, she's using mouthful. his audio, and there is a tag that says audio Jason Banks comedy. Yeah. But it's kind of lost in all the other feeds. You know, I mean, all the other types that are there. It's it's kind of embedded. It's kind of hidden hidden in there. And so he's just kind of really frustrated with with the TikTok. And it's just it's really kind of it's kind of weird about how they do. I mean, you can kind of see it. It's just weird how they treat different creators. Yeah. And uh, I don't know if it's true or not, but there's big thing to where a lot of creators of, of a lot of black creators kind of getting it's just weird how they get banned and blocked and won't get certified yet this girl here has got a blue check mark certified like this so you would think that's all hers because she she's white certified. check or black check she's white she's in new zealand not even in wow. america is it, you, that's you know an what i mean see, what, see why that is it, why, yeah. why what, what is really going on there hmm. and, and so her. why did she get verified and they won't verify him Yet it's all his material, and she uses nothing but his material. We need to start with the question of what does it take to get verified? What are the rules? What are the what are the standard basics that you need to get verified? And well, he's gone through it and talked with his agent too, and he's the, the agent's even like TikTok's weird. They're tough. Like you know, he got him verified overnight on on Instagram. So here's the other thing that's crazy: they'll kick some of his videos off, right? But somebody may have already pulled the audio. And they will do it with real same audio, and they won't kick theirs off. Mm. Like she's done a video where he did the video, they ban it. She does it, and they they don't. She does it, and they don't. Same audio, oh, just a different face. And and he's like this. He's like, look, she still got it. It's still up on hers. Yep. But they kicked it off of mine. What's in? You know. I, we, yeah, I want to talk to him. And I was just kind of like thoughts. this. It's the Chinese, bro. Yeah, it's the. I mean, that's who's that's well, who TikTok is. Ultimately, no, it's right. they're riding it. Yeah. So it's not. It's not. There's something more going on there that I want to dig into with him. And I think that I have a I have an idea in my head that might be a solution. Although, we'll see. I mean, just but, because just because you let that creative out there, you've got to have some kind of limitations or. Well, tick, trademark or TikTok it promotes again, itself it's their, as no. Yeah. It's their it's their you're, platform to do it, but you're yeah. giving that up when you join TikTok. Once you yep. join TikTok, and, yep. and and a lot of service providers are saying that too. There's um, these uh, clubhouses, you know, that you go in and talk, and you know, that with groups and stuff like that. Riverside's doing that. I think it's Riverside, but you're losing the opportunity when you agree. You've lost all control of your audio. They can take it and monetize it. Yeah. Yes. Facebook is going to do that with podcasting. You agree to put your podcast or audio up on their platform, done. We can do whatever we want with it, potentially. Yeah. Yep. Anything we want with that audio, you don't have a say in it. Yep. So TikTok basically opened that Pandora's box. Yeah, that's what they did. So there's a solution. Wow. You just don't use them. But, well, yeah, you don't have to. Yeah, there's, there's a solution. You figure it out. But. Anyway, so Banks is doing great. You guys have been still cool. doing the, the show here? Yeah, I, we're going to try it. I don't know. Hopefully we can come in tomorrow and record. If we, if nothing else, I'd have to do it early today. i got to get with them. It's just the scheduling's like I say, I mean, we go to, you know, Virginia Beach, and then uh, the 20th uh, to the 21st, we're in Ogden, Utah. Then we fly back. We have one day here, and then we go to Nashville, and then we drive to Huntsville, Alabama. Then we drive to Hoover, Alabama. So that's us out for eight days straight. Then uh, we come back, we get like four or five days off, and then we're in Omaha, Nebraska. Then uh, September 10th and 11th in Denver, Colorado, Albany, New York, Hartford, Dayton. I mean, the list goes on and on. And uh, we picked up more shows. 
uh, after the first of the year, uh, the Carolinas, uh, I think we've got Charlotte. I think we've got, uh, Austin, Texas. We've got, uh, we've got a, we've got a handful. I mean, they're there. They keep coming in. Uh, so you done with the boat? Uh, you done? Well, uh, Kenny, Kenny, yeah, Kenny's coming oh, along, but Jason it? was never on the boat. Oh, that's right. That's right. It was sorry. Kenny that was on, but Kenny's Kenny on, on Kenny's on tour with us. He's the okay. opener. And uh, he's, yeah, he's, he's picked this up instead good. of the boat. Okay, good. Well, that's, uh, so, it, you know, on the, on the one hand, he's out there doing shows. On the other hand, you can't be in here doing shows when you're out there doing shows. Yeah. So just sort of what it is. It's what it is. The other thing, though, one thing that he does, some of the jokes he tells on, uh, on, his, on the stage, he'll look at the people there and be like, TikTok can't take this down. <laughs> yeah. He was like, that's embedded in your head the whole drive home. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so maybe you guys do, a, do some uh, little... Like you, you see these documentaries of like the Rolling Stones on tour. You see these documentaries of some of these rock stars. Like you maybe do a little a couple podcasts like that and drop that stuff. I, I mean, I'm about sick and tired of taking it with me. I take the Zoom and I take recording equipment with me, but we we never end up using it. It's it's yeah. It's b- to believe to be honest with you, it's kind of tiring. But look, it's work. I, I mean, whenever is. we we board a plane at 5 a.m., knowing that he doesn't start work till 7:30 p.m. And you got a seven thirty show that gets over, you know, nine thirty. Then we've got a ten o'clock show that gets over. We're out of there at one a.m. Yeah, he's flying. That's a good point. You get, he's you guys are flying in order to work, not to go have vacation. Yes. And so imagine like if you had to go to work at six a.m. and you had to leave the night before to go to work. Like I've done that on cases before, and it's exhausting. Yeah. So we yeah. get there, we go check into the hotel room, get a bite to eat, and then usually it's like take a nap. Yeah. Because just then we've got to go set up the t-shirts, set up the tables, find the new layouts, get in there, talk with the sound guy, get the song set up, get the timing down. Because you got to go in, get a whole process of setting up the show. You know what I mean? Which usually it'll take the first night to get the process set or the first show because then we'll be like, just repeat, repeat, repeat. Yeah. And uh, unless something comes up and you got to change timing or somebody else comes in okay. and uh you got an interpreter for deaf people yeah <laughs> but that was that was and that was awesome and uh, I, I showed these guys the video of it if you go to jason banks comedy at uh on instagram there's a clip of it on there you can you can find it there uh it's it's a great clip it was a great audience uh she was a good sport and 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 the yeah. deaf people loved it they came up and they were with full love it was it was it was great <laughs> you know i mean and He's got that issue, you know, with Blind Adam, and every time he talks about his characters that he's created, Blind Adam gets a huge applause all the time. People love him. And there's a, a Blind Adam in Chicago that's not happy with his character, Blind Adam. And uh, I was just gonna make a really bad what, joke. What's funny is the fact that we've had a number of blind people come to the show that are a fan that are like, "Hey, we're not all like that." Because he says he's making fun of disabled people and try to get a whole big it's thing, just, try to get him canceled on that. But he's not. He's not. He's not doing anything out of hate. And actually, that character is like one of the smartest characters and the best. You know, so it's just, it is what it is, you know. And, and, and people get upset about, you know, I mean, and I've always said this, and this is the weirdest thing. And uh, I say this again because I was told it the first time I ever opened my own, my first business. And uh, for every one person that wants you to succeed, there's nine that want to watch you fail. Yep. And that, and that is, that's coming right from their own ego and envy. Yep. Yep. So, and a lot of times, and that, that's what we sit here too, is like sometimes, like when we were local in Columbus and there's other comedians, there's a lot of comedians that came to the Columbus show. And a lot of them came 
maybe not necessarily to cheer you on. <laughs> a lot of them came just with the hope to watch you fail. Yeah. Because, you know, in their mind, I'm just as good as him. Sure, I can do that job. Why Why him and not me? Why him and not me? It's back to that same conversation. Yeah. Yep. Wow. Like, what decisions have you made? What are you doing? What's he doing that you're not? And what can you do that's different now? It's like, it's like that kind of envy, it's a... It's a it, it pavers to hell, man. Now, we just got back from Memphis, and I was there, and this is, I, I guess I should have brought it up earlier. We'd carry on, so we won't go too much into it. But I will say that uh, we went to uh, the hotel, the Lamry Hotel, the room 306 there, where, uh, where Martin Luther King was assassinated. Oh, okay. And they've got the uh, museum. They've got the whole, uh, and, and it's, a, it's a really an amazing museum. And you walk through and go through, and that was good. And we went to Graceland. And at both museums that we went to, there was this one young boy that, I mean, I don't know how old he was. I would guess he's probably about 13 to 15 range. And he realized it was Jay, because we had to wear masks in the museum and in that museum. Didn't have to wear it at Graceland. I'll get to Graceland here a little bit later. But this kid came up and he knew who he was and he was like shaking. And then he asked if he could get a picture and Jason was like, oh yeah, yeah, I will, I will. And he, and he took a picture with this kid and this kid was just so... That's awesome. It just just was just like I've never been around anybody famous before. I've never I've never seen it, and he was just just jittery and jittery. And uh, I ended up it's a kind of a self guided tour, and they we kind of lost each other. I was reading something or something. And later on, we were about to the end of it, and that boy comes up to me, and he was with his mom and dad there, and he he was like he wanted to talk to me about Jason, and he was like, how how does he do it? How did he do it? And I was like, well, I started with that. I was like, he's been a stand-up comedian for 15 years. And I was like, dedication and hard work. I said, I went on vacation with this man, and we're all playing in the pool, and he's sitting on the side with a notepad, writing things down, coming up with ideas, going in and recording. I said, he works at it constantly. He is dedicated. I was like, and over and over and over. I said, because he wants to do something like that, he said. I said, now listen, here's the deal. Good chance that you're going to fail. But that doesn't mean stop. I was like, failure's good. Failure's a learning tool. If you let it be. Yeah. I said, so you have to accept it and then keep going. Don't stop. Don't give it up because you'll get better and you'll go back through it and go through it. And then uh, his parents didn't know who Jason was, you know, at all. And then I started talking to them and evidently they were doing a podcast uh, about inspiration with their church. It was a church podcast that they were doing. And uh, as I was talking and, and we were going over things, they were like, they felt that we were supposed to meet, you know. And then we walked outside and Kenny took pictures. They all took pictures of the mask off. We were standing out there and took good pictures. And then Jason talked to this young man for a while and gave him some advice. And uh, that was, you know, that was neat. Then when we, were, we went to Graceland, we got the, if you go to Graceland, it, it went over my expectations. I don't know if I had a low bar set. But it went over it, and we went with the full package, the private tour. It's a little bit more expensive, but if you go, I say get the private tour. It is, it's amazing, and the stories you get to hear and everything. Well, they take you on different sections, and we get off the bus there, and as one girl that was doing another private tour is walking out, and she saw Jason, and she was like, oh, my God, oh, my God. And then we were with a group. There was three of us and another couple, and they were from New Hampshire, and they didn't know who we were. But then another employee and another employee, and they were kind of like, you know, who are you? And it was like, you know, and 
Well, it started out, I guess the, the who are you was whenever we, we drove up there and, and now she's like, where are you guys from? And we're like, Ohio. And they were New Hampshire. And they're like, what brings you here? And they were going to Sun. They were just, they, they came there for Elvis. And, you know, Jason was like, well, we're comedians. We're performing at, at uh, Chuckles. And they're like, oh, okay. And everything. And then once he started getting recognized and signing autographs from other people at Graceland, they were kind of like, wow, you guys are like, you're, you're somebody. Yeah. You know, and uh, so he gets, yeah, he gets noticed everywhere. He gets noticed at Graceland. You know, I mean, he's the one signing autographs at Graceland. That's amazing to me. You go to Graceland and they're looking, and he, the, he's known. Like, he's it, known, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> Phenomenal. Well, look, uh, if you guys come in, let me know. I'll come and run the switcher, and right. uh, uh, we'll keep it going. But uh, so anyway, back to the normal sort of wrap-up announcements. Uh, it is LawyerTalkPodcast.com if you have questions. There were a few I was going to get to today, but this was so entertaining. We didn't, uh, so we'll get those next time. Uh, I do want to do a little bit deeper dive next time Jared comes in. We'll talk about Graceland and the Civil Rights Museum. That was, uh, I think you and I spent about an hour on the phone talking about that stuff. So, And I'd been there. I, I didn't have time for the Civil Rights Museum. And on the Civil Rights Museum, I told you things that I didn't know. And you were like, why didn't I, why wasn't I taught that? I didn't know that either. So, and I'm this gonna, is their 30-year anniversary. I want to do a dive so this, into this this, uh, this museum's been up and running for 30 years. Amazing. And I want to do a deep dive into that. So I got to probably do some reading. Uh, Brett, you still got podcasts coming and going here at the 511. Yep. So anybody who wants a podcast business, fun, pleasure, just to experiment, give us a shout. You can go to channel511.com, send us an email, or uh, Brett will hook you up at Circle 270 Media. What's the what's the contact there? Uh, you can go to mypodcastguy.com. Mypodcastguy.com. So if you need a podcast guy, you just go to mypodcastguy.com. There you go. There you go. Um, I, I wanted to clear something up. I did... If I'm going to quote the Bible, I might as well do it accurately. It was Psalm 37, not 27. And it says, do not fret because of those who are evil or be envious of those who do wrong. Like for the grass or for like the grass, they will soon wither. So you get it. Um, the point is like just because somebody else is doing something uh, in the mud, you don't need to join them. Follow your own righteous path. Uh, so anyway, this has been Lawyer Talk off the record on the air with another riveting episode until now.